Welcome to Talking During Movies. I am so excited for this. Man, I get to learn something new. I get to meet someone new. I get a crazy movie in the background. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this too. I love the, uh, I love the idea of your show and what you do here. So I actually have all my uh, little books here so that we can reference them while we're watching our movie today. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, uh, click on that movie link I sent you and please put it on mute. And uh, oh, okay. we'll hit, uh, play and get this little party started. Okay, so you, yeah, yeah, click on it and put it on mute, mute. right? Yep. And then just hit play and we're good to go. We just, um, so if you can scroll forward to, let's see here, where am I? Just about a minute in, because there's all that pre-song stuff that, but as, as we're doing that, real quick, um, one of the things I love to do uh, is give some shout outs to local businesses. So I'm going to give one to some friends and please think of one as, as, um, as we're doing this. So that if there's any favorite coffee shop or place that might be struggling or just need some love. Uh, for me, I always try to give some beer some love because they've been so good to me throughout the years. And that's Independence Brewing in Austin, Texas. They make some wonderful, wonderful beers. Amy, the owner, has been on the podcast. She's very, very nice. Folks, check out Independence Brewing. Try some of their beers if you're in Austin, Texas, or just go online and order some swag from them. They got good swag. Uh, Marilyn, you got any uh, fun places or shops or people that you would like to uh, give some love to before we talk about you and your business and what you do? Sure. Que Bueno here in Fountain Hills, some of the best Mexican food in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Ooh. And they have been they have keep been keeping it up to, even during all this coronavirus craziness and and uh, making it possible for us all to keep eating our favorite cravings. Nice. <laughs> What's one of your favorites there? I love number six, which okay. is the chili relleno, and they have the cheese enchilada. They have excellent salsa. They actually won for several years in a row, like the best salsa in Phoenix awards. Nice. And um, yeah, so they have really good, authentic, natural, good food. Um, and it's just fantastic. So I love oh. them and I, uh, I uh, appreciate them being here and staying open, even Very though it's times. been a tough time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's hit play here. And then as we do, tell us real quick, uh, or not real quick, you can take your time. We got time. Uh, tell us about your business, what you do. This is, I mean, I, I find it very fascinating. I got lots of questions, but um, 
talk to us about your business, how people can find you, get in touch with you, all those things. Okay, well, um, the Out of Body Travel Foundation is at outofbodytravel.org on the internet. Um, I have been writing books about out-of-body travel since uh, 1987, so uh, the foundation was founded in 2003. Uh, I've written over 102 books, have a couple Ooh. more books on their way about out-of-body travel, so we cover just about everything in the spiritual arena. And, um, you know, so for people who are interested in it, um, you know, our books are downloadable for free. We have a course mm -hmm. of study that's downloadable for free. We had a second documentary that was released yesterday called The Grand Phases of the Soul. You can check that out at the website, along with uh, the uh, other documentary, which is called The Road to Armageddon, which was released in 2012. We have a lot of film projects coming up. And... Um, and, um, you know, the subject matter today is uh, uh, very relevant to a lot of the books we have on the site, but I also have all of, you know, I have a huge library. Of, I feel the books you behind know. you. This is, like, <laughs> you know, this is like the traditional library here. It's, I, I oh, like yes. It. And this is only a tiny part of it, you know. So I pulled out all my books on exorcism and they're all around me so we can reference them as we are watching nice. the exorcism and of Emily yeah. Rose together. <laughs> so you picked this movie, I say, I asked you to go just shoot me a list of 10 movies, your favorites, the exorcism of Emily Rose is on there. Um, I, uh, my background uh, lends itself to some of this. So why did you pick this movie? What, what draws you to this movie? Well, you know, in uh, out-of-body travel, one of the subjects we deal with a lot is, you know, exorcism, spiritual warfare, deliverance. I have quite a few books uh, available on the subject. Um, some of the ones that I have just sitting next to me of my own books are Spiritual Warfare, Angels and Demons, which is, uh, you know, one of our bigger books on it, Ghosts and Lost Souls. Um, I have two books, one on demonology, one on angelology. And um, another um, uh, big article that I've written on Ghosts and Lost Souls, Our Responsibility. And um, so, you know, this sort of thing is very uh, relevant to uh, spiritual development, out-of-body travel, and anyone embarking upon mysticism or any of these things. You know, I do spiritual counseling with people. And I do deliverance ministries with some of my clients and uh, we utilize uh, some of these things that I have next to me here, you know, the actual Roman ritual exorcism. Um, I actually have the traditional 1614 um, rite of exorcism, which is the original Latin. Wow. And, um, you know, so we have... Uh, I have all these uh, wonderful things, you know, um, one of these things I have here that I thought people might find interesting as they're uh, watching the exorcism of Emily Rose is the Auxilium Christianorum. I know they can't see that, but this was put out by Father Chad Ripperberger. This is uh, an actual um, uh, association online that people can check out and become a part of these are the prayers that the exorcists are asking the lay people to pray for the exorcists okay. and for exorcisms and um so there's a whole association of people who pray to support the priests who are involved in exorcism mm -hmm. and of course we have all the uh 
all the uh, minor exorcisms and deliverance prayers and the exorcist uh, blessing. You are the most prepared guest I've ever had. <laughs> You're dialed in. So I got a question yeah. for you off the jump here. Sure. It seems like there is a big difference, like almost a Grand Canyon difference between even in the Judeo-Christian realms of the Catholic exorcism and the evangelical exorcism. How do you um, interpret the two or balance the two in the work that you do? Well, the, you know, I'm personally Catholic. Okay. Um, in, you know, the, the original Catholic exorcism was the original exorcism as taught by the apostolic uh, constitutions in the writings of the early church fathers uh, by the apostles to the early church. Okay. You know, one of the things that um, sometimes people don't realize, you know, the Protestant Reformation occurred in the 1500s. And so until the 1500s, there was one church, one Christian church, and it was the Catholic church. There was, you know, a break off somewhere just, uh, you know, a few hundred years earlier with Henry VIII on the Anglican schism. And you, you did have the, just the Orthodox piss off the Pope Bible. I'm just going <laughs> to make this simple and dumb. And then people quote it like it's awesome. And I was like, hey, hold, hold pause. This was Bible for dummies. I don't know if we should be teaching this the way we teach it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's complex, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, and then you have, you have the uh, Orthodox, which is, you know, so in the early church, you had the two offshoots, the two primary offshoots, and one came from St. Paul, which came out and was the uh, Roman Catholicism. The other was the offshoot from St. James, both apostles of Christ, and that went more towards the Orthodox um, face that you see in Europe, Greece, um, Russia, and, you know, Eastern European, Ukrainian Orthodox, there's all these different types of Orthodox. They're mm -hmm. very similar to Catholicism. There's just very subtle differences because they originally came from, you know, the apostolic uh, constitutions as well. And they just, uh, so they're, so literally until the 1500s, you had the basically the Catholic Church with a couple of offshoots that were, you know, Orthodox was really still Catholic at the time. Mm -hmm. And then you had the Anglican schism, which was, you know, over the divorce issue with Henry VIII. He wanted to remarry a lot of people. And so, <laughs> you know, so that was his thing. And then, um, so in the Protestant Reformation, you started having these breaking off of, uh, people that were disagreeing with original ideas or tenets of the uh of the catholic church and you know the, it started with martin luther's 99 theses which were put on the wall yep. some of which were very relevant and very important and they were addressed within the next 300 years in the catholic church they were serious you know the payment for indulgences and other things that we don't need to get into um, but what happened was, as that continued, you know, the Protestant Reformation ended up in uh, breaking off into, you know, what, you know, just 20 years ago was about 30,000 different denominations. We don't really know exactly how many denominations we have now. So, um, so we have a lot of different denominations. So these other Protestant denominations all have different 
beliefs about these things. Sure. The original exorcism came out of the Catholic Church, and that's this one that is the original Latin one of 1614. And then it was revised in Vatican II to become this one, which is now utilized. And I believe, based on what I understand about, I mean, the timing of the exorcism of Emily Rose in the 1960s, mm-hmm. they could have been using a little bit of both of these rites okay. because that would have been the time when the transition was being made. And um, so in terms of what the difference is, an exorcism is something that can only be performed by a Catholic priest with the permission of a Catholic bishop who um, gives special dispensation for that to occur. Now, Deliverance, now real, quick, real quick, real quick, why is that, why does that, I mean, I guess, you know, so the, the, the lay person would go, how does the demon know this guy's got permission? I'm more in line of the idea of why is it, is it more of a blessing coming down so they're protected? Yeah, there is a special blessing okay. that they carry from their ordination. Okay. And so, and this is, it's, it's a very good question because the, uh, a lot of people don't realize this. And I can tell you this, uh, you know, as a mystic and someone who has had these thousands of out-of-body experiences, um, and I, I have not been Catholic my whole life. Okay. I converted in the year 2000 because my experiences led me in that direction. Ironically, the last place I thought I was going to go, I studied every other religion in the world because I was like, well, why would I study Catholicism? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know. And, uh, so, I'm on that question, Stuff. <laughs> you know? And so it was my experiences that led me to study Catholicism and then my eventual convic- conversion after I was actually, I had beautiful mystical experiences with St. Therese Newman, and who was a mystic and stigmatist in the uh, 1900s, and St. Padre Pio, wherein I was instructed it was time. Now, so... Now, real, real quick, stigmatist for the lay, that's the stigmatism, the, the, the piercings of, of Christ showing up on people's hands and feet? Yes, this is people who bear the wounds of Christ that show up in their hands, their feet, um, in their side, and oftentimes like with Teresa, I'm not sure if they pronounced it Teresa Newman or Therese Newman, it was kind of spelled like a Therese Newman. Um, With Therese Newman and St. Padre Pio, uh, they both had very significant stigmatizations where uh, Therese Newman would bleed from her eyes when she would go through the uh, crucifixion of Christ. Many people or stigmatists will go through the crucifixion mystically. They will re-experience it mystically. St. Padre Pio would um, experience the crucifixion every time he celebrated the Holy Mass and his wounds would start to bleed. Oh. And so he had to wear gloves. Oh when he when he offered the holy mass so he was a very very profound profound saint um and so was um therese newman she hasn't been made a saint yet but she had a very very profoundly interesting life as well Mm -hmm. and um 
So what you have is, um, I'm trying not to miss your questions yeah, along no. the way. So, 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 in the, so the difference, um, and help me out if I miss anything. You're good, you're good. The difference with, you know, is that the Catholic exorcism is an actual right. It's a okay. right that is, that is done and it is under all these auspices. And yes, there is a mystical sign that the demons are very much aware of it's also something when you're in, when you're a mystic and you are able to have experiences you can actually see some of these things you can see the special anointing in the hands of a priest that is different and unique from any other person okay. you can also you can also witness the grace that comes down upon people when they're in a confessional um, giving their confession, the grace that is bestowed upon them through the sacraments of the church. Um, you can also feel and see the presence of Christ in a, a Eucharistic tabernacle in a Catholic church. You know, one of the big differences between the Catholic church and a Protestant belief system is the difference between transubstantiation and consubstantiation. Yep. So transubstantiation, Catholics believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And this again goes back to what the priest holds, in particular in his hands, that he is able to actually bring into mystical presence the actual body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ into that blessed sacrament. Protestants believe mostly in uh, and, you know, like I said, there's like 30,000 plus denominations, so they have varied beliefs on this. So they're different, but they're similar. Consubstantiation is that it is a symbolic or spiritual sign when they break the bread. So mm -hmm. for Catholics, it is a real reenactment of the Last Supper. For Protestants, it's more of a symbolic spiritual sign. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different thing. And so what you see um, you had asked um, that, um, can the demons see this? Yes, they are very aware when a priest comes in the room. Even if a priest were to walk in in plain clothes, and, you know, they can tell. They know because a priest carries the sign of the ordination is an actual energy that is imparted to them at the time of that of their ordination when they become a priest it is different now in the protestant faith going back to that other question was the difference so in protestant faith they will do things that are more related to deliverance and yep. um so deliverance is also something that is done in the catholic church as well but it is a different process so it involves you know, the prayers, the deliverance prayers, the laying on of hands. Um, it can be done by the ministers of the church, but it can also be done by lay people. And like I said, this is something that is also done in the Catholic Church. But in the Catholic Church, we would recognize a profound difference between spiritual deliverance prayers and an exorcism there's okay. a it's like you know it's like being um uh, the difference between being married or living together or you know what I mean? so there's a sacramental difference between what those two things are now um 
That doesn't mean that's not efficacious because it is. And there are some people in the Protestant world who are profoundly gifted in this. Um, you know, there's a gentleman by the name of Bob Larson, who um, I believe is very, very gifted. And um, I'm sure there are others I don't know about. Um, and he has a special deliverance ministry and gift. There are others because I have their books in the other room. Um, that and they've written some books about how to break those bonds, how to deal with the adversary, how to deal with the um, uh, these things. But what you're dealing with usually in deliverance, you can deal with people who are uh, dealing with certain levels of possession. But when you have something like an Emily Rose or some of these other cases you'll hear about mm -hmm. that go to the, these are the cases that are not going to respond to. Uh, well, what was the married couple? There was a married couple that used to go out and collect. Yeah, the Warrens. The yes. Warrens. Now, they, I don't know if they were Catholic. I, I do not know their religious affiliations. In, in, they, in were Catholic. they were yes, Catholic. Yes, they were. And but so they, they did have a special dispensation, literally, from the Pope because they were so profoundly graced and gifted in their work. So hard, this podcast is full of hard left turns and I apologize. Uh, no and worries. if you see something on the, on, the, on the movie, you want to jump in and jump to it, by all means interrupt me. But okay. I, have, I have a real question for you. So as someone um, who has experimented with psychedelics, okay. uh, LSD and shrooms and, and seeing stuff and, 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 and submitting to my ego of, of being a little more uh, calm and understanding and, and rationalizing things in my brain of my daughter, this is the only relationship she didn't choose to have, right? So I ask her, how am I doing as a parent? Not that I'm taking parental advice from her, more of how is our relationship going? How can I be a better father? I wonder with all the things you've seen, how, how do you get from where you start to where you're at without one, asking the question, am I possessed? And then two, if it misses for a while, looking for other alternatives to try to get back there. And I asked that question because I forgot the TV show, some goofy TV show I was watching. And I, I love mindless things. And this guy, was, <laughs> this guy was part of this group that's an exorcism group. It was on Fox or something. And okay. he's like, man, I used to see God. And God used to talk to me. He's Catholic. And he goes, God doesn't. And he would take shrooms once a week to see God. And I wonder where, how those lines don't get blurred for you or for others. And, you know, from whether it's out of body travel or seeing something that the rest of us don't, how, how do you comprehend and not lose yourself in it, if that makes sense? Not lose yourself in it? Okay. Um, well, it's, you know, I think one of the ways that you can quantify that is look at any other gift. So let's say you have someone who is just profoundly musically gifted, like a Mozart, a Beethoven. How do they balance that gift and not get lost in it? There is a, um, there is a process that we all go through where we have to bring that gift into our life, but at the same time, in order to 
uh, reap the fruits of this unusual grace that we have, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, like a, like a Mozart or Beethoven mm -hmm. or a, or a scientist who gets amazing, brilliant ideas and they have to figure out how to, right, exactly, where they have to figure out how to bring this into action, bring it into being without, you know, going a little nutty themselves. So it's all about finding the proper balance within your own particular life. So, um, Do you find yourself chasing it ever? You're out of body travel, you're, you're, you, uh, you've, you've seen, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've seen exorcisms, you've, 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 you've seen, you know, the, the presence of Christ coming down and, and blessing someone. Have you ever chased it? Just been like, I want to see that one more time. Go, go, go. Well, you, of course, anybody who has these experiences, you know, you even hear this with people with near-death experiences. Yeah. They want to. They want to see it again. They, you know, a lot of times they didn't want to go back. You know, it's how we. You know, uh, when you experience that unconditional love of God and you experience the beauty and all this, of course, you have those kinds of natural feelings. What actually occurs over time, though, if you're going through a genuine cultivation process in the mystical spheres, um, is that you are going to be cultivating balance right along with that. Because okay. what you're trying to do is you're bringing into physical reality these non-physical elements and trying to quantify them to make them available to other people, just like Mozart would take these beautiful sounds he would hear and try to make it available to other people to hear, just like an Elon Musk takes these brilliant ideas and tries to make those ideas available to another person. It's, it's all about how we take whatever gift it is that we uniquely individually have and we utilize it in a way where we're trying to make it available to others as well because okay. that's how god often uses us so no you know there are people who have these experiences who do chase them um but one of the things that i often talk about in a lot of my interviews is about the the fact that you want to be careful about seeking the experience for the experience itself sure. you, because the out-of-body travel experience is a tool the truth is the purpose of the tool so the tool is leading us into greater understanding and greater knowledge of ourselves and of the world and of the mechanism as we're speaking today of good and evil mm -hmm. and how it works in our world and within the the uh, spiritual world of principalities and powers and so um there isn't a a chasing so to speak but there is a continual seeking just as mozart would always wish to compose just as an elon musk will always seek to come up with another expansion on the greater ideas we all do this with whatever our unique calling is mm -hmm. and so you don't um you can get lost in it but yeah. if you follow the path in a way that is properly guided and, a, you know, this is part of the reason for spiritual direction in the Catholic Church and 
uh, this is how we find our way through these things and understanding them um, in a way that is balanced with the physical life that we also have to lead here below. Does that oh, make no, sense? Absolutely. I mean, I was a pastoral ministries major in college. And I remember okay. I, I did a sermon and I get done and I walk back, <laughs> man, and I got a grin. I'm like, ah, awesome. <laughs> I'm 18 years old. And I'm talking to 500 plus people. Fearless. Mm -hmm. Do not care. And the minister comes to me, the head guy comes to me, goes, Assembly of God. So, you know, this is tambourines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, what inspired you? for that sermon. I go, inspired me? Did you see what I did? I made them laugh and then cry. I did it four times in less than an hour. I made 500 people laugh and cry back and forth like a yo-yo. I owned their emotions. It was fantastic. Let's check the offering from last week to this week and let's see who won. And he's like, don't ever become a pastor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and the drinking and the loving of the ladies and the gambling and a lot of other things that, that plague my life uh, obviously got me kicked out. And for very good reasons, right? I mean, and I should not be the model figure of what a pastor should be, except for the idea of open humility and, and, and being honest with, um, with where I know my faults are and where I can be better and what, what can happen. But you know, it's interesting as you talk, you know, it's, it's amazing because everything you say brings up a hundred questions and then it's, it's my mind trying to spindle out which ones can really, uh, you know, uh, that not only tie to the movie, but, but also uh, focus in on who you are and the things you do. So I guess the, the biggest question here that everyone is, is screaming for me to ask is, what the hell is out-of-body travel? <laughs> <laughs> how do I do it? Now, I'm not saying that I can do it, but like, is it, I mean, I, dumb, dumb me, right? Goes, oh, you're meditating. But when you talk, it sounds way different. So I've, now I've got to assume it's way different. So, way different. Okay. <laughs> give, me a, give me a trip. Tell me, tell, you know, walk me through one of what happens. Wow. A favorite okay. one. Well, and you know, this is always a tough question for me to answer because a lot of times people want me to tell them my first experiences and, and you know, and, and then they just want me to pick one, you know, just well, it's like, I don't, like, I don't know if you travel to a place. I don't know if spiritually you're going to a place. I'm trying to figure out how, you know, are you laying down? Are you sitting down? Are you closing your eyes? Is sure, it, sure. Yeah. yeah. Those are all great questions. Um, and so what, ha you know, what happens though, is just to keep in mind, this is my little, my little preface to it, is that what an out-of-body experience is to someone who has it the first time or the first 10 times or 20 times is in completely different than what I have now 30 years later. Okay. Because it's, it's like anything, there's a spiritual evolution that goes on. And so, you know, in the beginning, you may just have... So I'm lying down 
And um, I will go into a really deep state of consciousness. So usually I will go into a state of sleep and then I go to a state beyond sleep where my spirit will actually wake up while my body remains sleeping. And then there is a detachment from the physical body to the spirit body. And okay. that's when you go into what is called the vibrational state. And the reason you feel that, which is this profound, really powerful vibration mm -hmm. that um, you, when you have it, you know you did. You know, it's like it's not, you don't have to worry about it. If you don't know you had it, you didn't have it yet, but you sure. will. You know, you can be open to it. It can still happen. But um, it's very powerful. Part of the reason it is is because you're detaching from the physical vibration of the body and entering into the, the spiritual vibration of the soul, which is a much higher frequency. And so you switched, you know, then you're going to start hearing these voices around you, just all these people talking, and you're gonna hear these loud, loud, some people compare it to jet engine noises. It's just these, these really, really loud noises. Again, it's the sounds of the astral plane, which is of a higher vibration than the physical plane. Um, the sounds of the voices are actually the thoughts of humanity that you are now able to hear telepathically once you enter into this state. So if you pay closer attention, you can see this very quickly that you're hearing people thinking, you know? Okay. <laughs> and this is just a natural phenomenon that occurs in the astral plane. Then when the soul either wills themselves out, rolls out, or sometimes they will just like, if they're in a lying position, they'll sit up and they'll realize, oh, my light body just sat up and my physical body is still lying down. They will, you know, detach from that physical body. And you begin with some of the basic things. You are floating around the room or you're floating above your body and seeing your body down below. Um, then you'll start with... Um, moving through the room and you you have to learn some things because there are issues with vision hearing movement because you have to adjust to the fact that those things are now consciousness based not physically based so the first thing you'll notice is you try to walk and move and you wade like through water because you're wading through ether and quickly you start realizing that everything is guided through thought. Then you go to uh, realizing that your vision can actually be, this is a tough one for some people because mm -hmm. you are trying to look through, through physical eyes, but your consciousness is what contains vision now. So you have to learn to will and think your sight into being just as you do with hearing as well so, so, so question for you real quick on this sure. this, this, this this is interesting so my brother and i both have this thing okay i can visualize a red ball in my head right now yeah if i close my eyes i cannot visualize that red ball okay it's complete darkness when i close my eyes it's darkness Okay. You're like, you know, some people are like, close your eyes, visualize being on the beach. You're like, oh, that's a fun memory. <laughs> I got to keep my eyes open if I want to have that memory. If I close my <laughs> eyes, I can hear the memory. I can feel the memory. I cannot see it. Okay. So does that remove me from out-of-body experiences because I don't have that ability, for lack of a better term? 
No, because you're assuming that this is an imaginative process, which it isn't. I'm assuming it's more of a recall process, I guess. Not imagine, but recall, because I'm thinking about like, oh, I played basketball the other day, and you'll get these right. athletes that'll sit down and they'll meditate and they'll go over the game, right? Oh, the okay, I see what you're play, saying. They can see it in their head, play by play. Where did I make a mistake? What could I do differently? And then they watch the tape and then they do it again. I'm just watching tape. <laughs> I'm not seeing well, anything when I close my eyes. Well, see, the thing with that is um, that's something that everyone can cultivate. Okay. And, you know, that's something that you could cultivate through meditative practices or whatever to develop those techniques but having that ability isn't prerequisite okay or you know having the out-of-body experience so um, I don't think that would impair you now um, it would probably impair you a little in meditation but sure. again you know that's something that a lot of people learn to do meditation and doing it well Mm -hmm. You know, but there are also forms of meditation that don't involve visualizing. So, you know, you could easily even start with some of these meditations that involve, you know, emptying the mind and just be being present with God, you know, okay. and, and that might even be how you do it, you know, without even thinking, because a lot of us will do that, you know, and so none of that excludes you know we all have our unique way that we function and what works best for us with our different physiologies and our different life experiences and just what comes natural to us so none of those things um, impair people from having those experiences but you know when you're when you're in that state then you're going to start moving through uh, windows doors physical objects walls and you're going to be traveling around the astral plane the astral plane is the fourth realm so that's the realm that overlaps the third dimension and this is where ironically this is where you're going to deal with a lot of uh, the issues of lost souls ghosts wandering spirits because that's where most of these souls are going to be residing from and so you know we live in a mortal realm which is third and fourth realm the realms where the battles between good and evil take place within us and without us sure. so but what happens is that's just the beginning what happens over time is that you're taken into um, so much, um, you know, for, uh, you know, and this might be difficult for someone who has a, a Christian-based thinking only, but a lot of people will be taken into past or future lifetimes. They start seeing different existences. Mm -hmm. um, and um, they go through those and they is start that, seeing. Is that difficult because they assume it's them versus maybe they're traveling on a different plane? It's kind of like fast forwarding a movie. Like if I fast forward the movie, right? And it's, the, let's say it's, the, it's one, you know, electronic version of all the Star Warses. And I fast forward <laughs> through some. Yep. It doesn't mean that Luke, you know, or whatever someone who died previously and and now i'm seeing the rest up front it doesn't mean that person's living up front there again as much as it means that you're seeing life going on 
or life happening in the back. Is that correct or is it, or is it their lives that you're seeing or your life that you're seeing in a different form? Well, you can be, you can be, it's not just seeing. This is the difficult part for people to understand. Out-of-body experiences in their truest sense, in their fully conscious state, are more conscious than our physical waking life. So if you're taken into a different lifetime, you're mm -hmm. going to be dropped into that lifetime and you're going to experience it so consciously, you're going to be there. Okay. It's not just watching something like a dream. It's okay. very different. Um, but what, what you have, you have different um, ways that you can look at it because we don't, um, you know, we don't necessarily understand exactly how everything works because God is big and mysterious, you know. So um, in my experience, yes, people are experiencing different lifetimes but there's also the fact that people have the capacity to experience things that come from their own DNA, from their ancestral line. You know, these things mm -hmm. are embedded within us. There's also things that are just embedded within us as human beings, within all life. And this is where things get more complex because one of the very first things people will experience in the near-death experience or an out-of-body experience is the oneness of all life. And so what we find very quickly is that it is absolutely possible to experience aspects of other existences that may not be our own. Okay. And so, I mean, I'm kind of saying yes and no. Sure, I get you. You know what I mean? Because yep. both of those things are possible and do occur because, and so, you know, a lot of what you're going to start out with is, you know, you're going to be learning about this unity, this unity and this unconditional love that literally powers and generates the entire universe, the whole world of life and living creation as we know it. And that is God. One of the things I've been trying to talk about more in a lot of my interviews lately is you know people say god is love but we don't really quantify well what does that mean because saying god is love yes we can all agree on that but what does that mean mm -hmm. that means that all creation exists because Love is what creates it. Love is an energy. It is a creative force. It is an, it's, it's so hard to put into words, but I'm going to try. <laughs> hey, you've written it's, a lot of books. I'm, I'm trusting you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's a, it's an inseparable part of all that is good. Mm -hmm. All that moves forward, all that moves towards God is moved by the very nature of love. Love is a force, just as evil is a force. Now, love is creation. Love is forward motion. Love is um, the good, whereas evil is destruction. It is the bad it is tearing things apart mm -hmm. so 
what we don't understand when we say God is love is that these are opposing forces that exist side by side in a mortal realm, a world like the one we live in, sure. where if we do not comprehend what it truly means, and it's hard to, I'm sure that I'm not making that as clear as I wish I could. I'll, I'll tell you what I do to make it very clear for people, because I agree with you 100% on this. When my daughter was old enough to talk, the hardest thing for me to do, and now she's seven and she finally does on the regular, so you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you say, I love you to yourself. Now, if you ask the average person to do that, I'll tell you what, they're going to say no. And then when you watch <laughs> them try to do it, they're not going to be able to do it. They can't look at themselves and say, I love you and mean it. And yeah. actually mean it from their heart. And what that shows me is a great struggle that we have in understanding and embracing love. Because when you embrace love, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're embracing the imperfections. You're embracing the person as a whole. And that's embracing yourself first. And to embrace yourself and understand that you're not perfect, you're not right all the time. And, and instead of just saying it, yeah, I've got this addiction or I do this too much. Instead of doing those things, which just placate to the evil, you have to look at yourself and go, hey, I still love you. Not having friends say I love you, but looking at yourself and saying, I love you and meaning it. It's uncomfortable. It feels gross at times. Especially yeah. like if you do something dumb and you can look in the mirror and you go, if, as soon as you do something dumb, you know, like I'll have an argument with my wife and I'll go apologize. Next thing I do is I go in the mirror and I ask myself, hey, do you love each yourself? Do you? I love you. It feels gross, but that's the fight. That's the fight for you first. And you can't show that love to other people if you can't fight for yourself first. Yes. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I would take it further as well that love itself is an emanation. And it's an emanation of energy in our world, just as evil is an emanation. And we are living in a time where we can clearly see that there are various dichotomies that show this Wins very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, we, we were told and read in the biblical scripture that um, it is a battle between principalities and powers of good and evil. Mm -hmm. And so what we, what we don't quantify is that this love that God is, is actually an essence an energy and it is a fuel that creates and moves all mm -hmm. life um, and it's something we experience and learn more about as we continue having experiences sure. and, and it, it becomes more and more profound and you know what happens is you know so you start out with these basic experiences but you then go, you know, beyond all this. And the purpose of going into past lifetimes and you're going to go into things in your own current life as well is to identify things that might be habitual for you that you need to reexamine, things you can alter and change towards more love. And you're given graces to help you to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and this continues and continues. 
<coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um, but then you're also going to start learning about all the infinite heavenly realms, the infinite lower realms, the hellish realms, the purgatorial realms. And I know Protestants don't believe in the purgatorial realms, um, but what you see in the mystical is these three realms, uh, which are of infinite nature, because literally the heavens are infinite. There's not just one place. There's, you know, an infinite number of places. Sure. In the in the hells, there's not just one place. There's an infinite number of places that are in concert and in sync with different vices, different sins, different propensities. Um, in the purgatories, as I have seen them, there are souls that are working through something that they need to purify, some type of something they did they neglected to purify while on earth because the goal again is as we move closer and closer to an all holy loving god we have to become more and more like that and this is where you know this idea of understanding well god is love and i want to be closer to him so i must become more like him and this is where we understand the purification journey so you have these basic experiences in the beginning mm -hmm. later on what you're going to experience are these wonderful you know you're going to experience intense things as well you go through um, like I mentioned, um, you go through educational periods. You're taken into lower realms to be shown, well, what do these realms serve and why do they exist and who goes here and why? Um, you are taken there to be um, shown how you can assist souls who are going through their afterlife process and can use help and energy and grace. And you know, there is this constant creation giving back to creation. And we have to participate in that. As mystics, we have to do that. And so as mystics, that's how we do it mystically. Okay. Um, and this is, you know, you can read about a lot of this in my books. It's hard to put it into, you know, sure. in short order, but you know, so then you're, but you're also having these beautiful experiences to the heavens and with Christ and with other prophets, saints, mystics, sages, or ascetics, or teachers, guardians, you know, angels of the angelic hierarchy, and you're being formed and changed and altered and taken into these beautiful, beautiful places. Um, um, so, you know, literally 30 years later, you know, you, you know, a normal experience can be very different from what I described earlier as what you might experience the first few times sure. where you're going and you're taken into, um, for instance, um, like the, like, you know, one of the experiences I had years, this is still years ago, but I'll just use some of the things I had years ago as well. Um, during the initiations into the mysteries, I was taken into um, what was considered, it was an oval casket. It was gilded in gold and silver. It was the casket containing the energy of the Dalai Lamas, the holiness of the Dalai Lamas. And um, 
I had worked with a particular lost soul and assisted that soul who, you know, a lot of times with ghosts, you're dealing with a lost soul. And so one of the things I was taught very early on was working with and helping lost souls and trapped ghosts to actually cross over to God. Okay. And so sometimes what will happen is when you successfully complete a mission, you'll receive a reward. And so this was a reward for some type of task like that. And I was allowed to touch the casket of the Dalai Lamas and it contained the energy of their holiness. And at the gate, there was this guardian to the casket. And, you know, he stood there, he's holding a staff and he allows me in and I walk in and it's, the casket is like in this blue green misty place where it is um, just sitting there very quietly and peacefully. And I walk over to it, put my hand upon it, and literally, um, I am thrust to my knees and just weeping because I had no idea the holiness of the Dalai Lamas. But in that moment, I was allowed to feel and con to contain um, and witness in an energetic way that these great souls were very holy and had some type of purpose, you know, and me as a mm -hmm. Christian, I didn't relate to it at the time, but you know, that changed my understanding for the future. You know, I've had many experiences, you know, where I've been honored to meet with Christ and he will teach me about these things that he wants me to understand. Um, he may meet you in a, a vista with rolling hills and flowing waters. And there's, there's in, in many other places as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is so much to this. You have to remember there's over a hundred books on it now. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering two things, right? Uh, sure. And, and, and one I think is, is very Hollywood-esque. Okay. Uh, which, I think paints a picture okay. uh, that, that might, and I'll ask you if it blinds us in some way, but you know, it's the old adage, I don't see any new ghosts, right? I mean, you go out to Catalina Island. I don't know and, what you mean by that. I'm sorry, I've never so heard that a, adage. So, it's like, <laughs> so you go to Catalina Island and, and you'll, you know, they say uh, there's, a, there's a very famous uh, males only club there. And okay. because it's under a hundred members, it still says male, male only. And guys who stay there are like, oh, the old fishermen from the 1800s, you can still see them walking the hallways and they are, um, they're, they're, uh, they're trying to straighten the lines or trying to dry the, dry the lines so they can fish okay. the next day. Mm -hmm. But you never go to a hotel, let's say the standard in downtown LA. And two years ago, a rapper died there and that rapper's ghost is, is in the hallways. Does that make sense? It, see, it seems like the only representation we hear of ghosts are from 50, 100 years ago versus the understanding or the representation of ghosts are continually all around us. Okay, well, um, well, that's not my experience of okay. it. Okay, yeah, no, I understand. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, it's portrayed that way. 
Well, and it can be, and you know, the way you describe that is actually very well stated for explaining how these things can work as well. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it, uh, just to, two points here. Sure. So one is how these things work, and I'll deal with that second. And then the first case with our, there are no new ghosts. My experience has been that that's not the case at all, because I will deal with people who have recently passed, recently deceased, um, and I will deal with ghosts that have been around for a while. Okay. And, um, and you can have a variety of both. You can actually have, like, even in some places, you may have where a haunting could have begun because of a particular ghost that got lost there at one time, and they may have drawn to them others. And so when you go in to clear the place out mystically, you are going to deal with 20 or 30 souls who have wow. all congregated and need assistance because they've all kind of congregated to help each other out because they are lost together. How you overwhelming is that for you? That's got to be crazy. It's, it's intense. Like a, it's like a kid coming over. You're like, hey, bring your friend over. You guys can have 40 <laughs> kids coming. Yeah. You've got some cheese whiz and some chicken and a biscuit. And you're like, well, this isn't going to work. Well, and you know, it is overwhelming when you have those, but you also have to remember if you're called to do it, God provides the grace and he provides the Holy Spirit to help you to okay. do it. And you know, there's that impetus and that infusion of what you need to know to actually do it. It is hard work and you do come out of some of these very exhausted, but there is also this grand moment because you know, what you're doing with primarily with ghosts and lost souls, even though there are a million different ways that souls can be lost or, you know, why a person might be staying and haunting a place from someone just literally didn't realize they died because it happened so suddenly to someone who is an evil spirit, who's become an evil spirit you know, almost in the afterlife. So there's this whole range between someone who just had a very sudden and traumatic death and needs assistance to people who might um, have been confused or even the circumstances of their death could have led to some kind of confusion um, to people with evil intentions who may be going towards the darkness, but you also just have people who, um, the main issue with the lost soul, and I'm simplifying it, sure. but you know, like I mentioned, I got this book here called Ghosts and Lost Souls. People can check that out in the Mystic Knowledge Series. And again, available for free download. So you can get oh, that nice. at outofbodytravel.org. So all the books are available. So you can go into heavy detail if you're interested in any of these things and really learning about them. But the main issue, for, you know, just an overview of a very large subject is that a lost soul is someone who has died, who may not realize that they are dead. And, um, oftentimes they are unable to see their guardian angels or their assistance coming due to something which occurred during that lifetime or during their death. Sometimes if a person does not believe that there will be an afterlife, sometimes if they don't believe there's a God, um, if there is any reason why uh, 
if they had been very, very attached to their earthly life, a lot of people are in these conditions are attached to something in their earthly life, but vibrationally, and this is important, Mm -hmm. vibrationally they are unable to lift themselves up enough to actually open up that spiritual vision to see the assistance that is there and so the people who are called like myself and there's you know many of us not just me there's tons of people who are called this way um, we will create a physical counterpart where we can help the soul to raise their vibration just enough so that their spiritual sight is able to be activated enough so that we are handing them to their guardian angels and they take them the rest of the way. They have to see them. They have to be able to respond to them. They become lost because they are so closed off to God that this happens or they're so attached um, sometimes um, that can be done very simply um, and sometimes it takes a lot of work but like in let's just go with the simple so mm -hmm. like for the ones where it might be simple first of all you're going to start out with you know, I'm not sure if you realize but you have passed away you are now dead and you have that conversation with them. And it's like, okay, so when I had that accident, I just didn't survive it. So I'm no wonder people aren't responding to me when I'm trying to communicate, you know, because they're, they're trying to communicate and they will look for people like myself and others who have sensitivities who mm -hmm. can hear or see them because they're trying to get someone to communicate with them. They usually go initially to people they know and love, but they do have an ability to kind of um, spot someone who can pick them out, you know, okay. because we have just those. It's like kind of like eye contact in a crowded place. Like, oh, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, no one else sees me, but that one does. <laughs> that one's <laughs> yes. got a little vision on it. Yeah, yeah. And then it's, you know, so you're having that conversation, but then it's also the conversation about, you know, you need to turn to the unconditional love of God. Um, have you seen the light since you had this happen? Have you seen the light? In some cases, it'll be like, I saw that, but I didn't go towards it because of this, 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 or this. It's like, okay, or I didn't see that. And it's like, okay, well, there is a light. And this is the light of God. This is the direction that you need to follow. We need to get your vibration up so that you can take the hand of your guardian angel, so to speak, and they will take you through sure. and cross you over. So there's a lot more to it, but I'm giving you the basic. You yeah, know, no, I'm just, I'm, my brain goes, you know, you go, and I'm just going to use a guy as an example. You go to the guy and you're like, did you see the light? And he goes, I did. But then I saw my wrecked Mercedes and I was like, I should get that fixed. And like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. You're dead, Tom. Okay, yep. your 401k has vanished. All right. It's been a while. The kids have yep. gone. Qu question. I know that demon, you know, demons possess people. Yes. Can angels possess people? Um, no, because um, 
there are eternal laws in place. Um, and I talk about this a lot in a book of mine called The Mysteries of the Redemption. Um, there's a Mysteries of the Redemption series. There's five books in it. And there's also a one volume version in the third volume of that medicine woman within a dream it mm -hmm. talks a lot about this whole concept of eternal law energetic truth um, angels do not possess people because it is a violation of eternal law it is not allowed and so what you're seeing with an within a possession is an actual violation of what is and especially in the case of emily rose sure. now what you what you do have is you have situations where people allow demonic contact through their thoughts words deeds actions mm -hmm. you know what they draw towards themselves but there are also situations where people are attacked by demonic forces and it's just simply an attack emily rose was an instance of this she was just a person she went into that college dorm and she was immediately taken over by an, what is called an incubus you now, know what, what an incubus is yeah but i'm curious like how do you get i mean i guess i wonder i have a daughter so i instantly the hair yeah my neck go up you're like scared so for her of course yes how do you prepare then for the parents out there or, or the young ladies out there how do they prepare going somewhere when i'm assuming there's incubus around not everywhere but they're kind of roaming the earth how do you you know how do you not become an emily rose well and there's a couple of answers to that question okay. too um with emily rose you have two factors to it so for instance if let's say they went to her college dorm room and they you know engaged in a lot of prayer deliverance prayer in the room and they burned incense got holy water holy salt put sacramentals rosaries crucifixes on the wall that may have protected her but then you have the other side of that question which is you remember how the movie ends <laughs> and so the movie ends in a way where the blessed mother gives her this message that she was actually called to this purpose and, and the Joe. purpose yes and this purpose was and this is important and it's especially important right now because of the things that we are seeing in our world emily rose's purpose was to demonstrate and show the world that evil exists it is a real force and that we cannot deny it and you know because one of the things that we have uh been doing you know ever since we got into what we call the modern age is saying oh no it's all superstitious even the catholic church had pulled back a lot on wanting to kind of quiet down what exorcists are doing for a while now it's coming yeah. back and why why is it coming back it's because people are getting impacted by demonic forces but like crazy and part of the reason this is happening is because everybody has generalized the um concepts and the um you know that oh no satan doesn't exist he's just an idea um you know these these laws and moral laws and moral theologies that we try to 
live by to some extent are not relevant. You know, nothing is evil anymore. Sure. Everything's okay. You know, we even can have- that? Can you blame that on science fiction? I mean, if you watch any science fiction film, the first thing I notice is there's no religion. Well, yeah, that's true. That, that's very true. They do take the religion out of that. But there are a lot of things in our society that we can take a look at that are, are doing this. Mm -hmm. I, just, I was looking at like the broad entertainment aspect of going, oh, I'm conditioning you to evil something you've manufactured. God is something you've manufactured. Spiritualism is something you've manufactured. Why don't you just put a smile on your face, be nice to your neighbor, and let's fly through the stars. Yes. Exactly. And so what happens is what happens with that is now we have a society where we are supposed we're being told we're being judgmental. If as a Christian, we're like, no, don't respect Satanism. Just don't not all not, not cool with Satan. He's the nemesis <laughs> of our Lord why Jesus Christ. So why are you why so am mean? I judgmental? Yeah, yeah, why am I judgmental? Why? Well, I just don't understand Satanism. It's like, no, that's not the case. What's going on is we are being asked to do relativism about all manner of moral law and making Satan and, you know, we have a program on TV called Lucifer. I've never seen it. People have talked to me about it. I haven't seen it. Um, but this is to make him a regular guy. You know? Super nice. I, I haven't Super seen cool. it. But I will you know? say the one thing that I do appreciate about that show, never seeing it, mind you, okay. it, never seeing it, but appreciating it is, They've no longer tried to make Satan look like this horrible, ugly demon that's going to snatch you. But instead, it's this beautiful, smooth-talking person. And I have always said, Satan's not going to come as a scary monster. It's not. It's your buddy. It's your pal. Hey, yeah. you need a stock tip. Hey, let me yeah. help you ride your bike. You know, I just, I, I, I so in that part, you know, I would, I would say uh, a tip of the hat at the same time. I mean, do we need it? I don't believe so, right? Well, I, mean, I don't know, because I haven't seen this show, yeah. so I'm only picking on it because they made the, they called it Lucifer, and everyone's told me that it's <laughs> trying to normalize that, oh, he's just a regular cool guy. And, you know, the, he's and, you know. He's got a bad rap, all right? He's just got a bad rap, yep, you know. And, but what happens is, you know, in the mystical spheres, if, when you come into contact with Satan, and if you are an avid out-of-body traveler on a, heavy-duty spiritual path, mystical path, you will. Um, he is an ugly, horrifying beast, but on in our world, he is sneaky and disguised, and he comes in many, many faces. Mm -hmm. And one of the faces uh, that we see a million varieties of in our world right now is just taking things and slightly taking truths and altering them slightly enough so people start going away further and further and further from the truth. And this is why Emily Rose existed according to that vision she was given the night before she died, mm -hmm. that it was her purpose to show us that evil was real. And I can tell you from my own mystical experiences, evil is profoundly real and people think that you have to be a superstitious old religious lady to believe that and that is a dangerous belief how do you so and, uh, and so long question i apologize but i'm wondering no how you sleep at night and i mean this because i remember 
So I used to have these horrible dreams, shadow people. Okay. Right? The shadows would come into the room. They would reach into my chest. I would feel pressure. They would, they would run around and pop up. I remember I, I was at my brother's house and I thought I'd woken up and I looked out the window and in the fields, I saw three shadow people walking. I'm like, shoot, I'm asleep, I'm asleep, I'm asleep. Let me wake up. And then I thought I woke up and I was in the kitchen and I opened the door and I got some orange juice and I closed it and one was there. And I don't, see, you know, I, this is shadow. But then they're, they're chasing me through the house and I feel like I'm running through the house. They're trying to grab me. They're holding me down. When I finally wake up, I'm under the bed. I've somehow gotten out of bed. I'm under the bed and I'm trying to sit up. And I mean, banging my head underneath this bed. I'm, I mean, yep. I'm 6'2", 220 pounds. I always slide <laughs> under beds. I'm like, how did my fat old body get under this thing? <laughs> but they happened a lot when I was in college, when I was younger. Now, my mom, she's a little right at the Sheriff of Nottingham, and she's a very evangelical Christian, you know, speaking in tongues, tambourine, the triangle, mm. all out of tune. <laughs> but, but the triangles go, are tuned. I know, they are tuned. She finds a way. She's like, Kaka, is that? I'm like, I just put it down. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and she would, but she would, she would always tell me like, oh, those are demons coming after you, you know, and then I see these, you know, the, I see these uh, movies out of Korea, where it's like, oh, it's the night death, you know, and they, it's, it's a very fascinating thing that happens in Asia, they call it the night death, where it's like, as soon as you start seeing shadow people, oh, you know, you could probably die. And then you hear about this guy who was, you know, I mean, the, the CIA did a study on them, because they moved a group of Koreans or Vietnamese people into Kentucky and 20 of them died. And the whole group there is like, oh, it's the shadow people, they followed us. And they're like, nah, I don't think so. And I'm wondering, one, once again, how does this impact your, your sleeping and your dreams? Mm -hmm. And then two, if you know, and it's okay to be like, Jason, you are way off topic. What is with these shadow people? Well, there's a lot of different types of beings that people can experience that they would describe as shadow people. Mm -hmm. A lot of the shadow people could be wandering spirits, lost souls. Okay. Um, they could be um, souls that are deceased, who are lost themselves, who you are seeing. Um, if they are shadow people with you know shadow with quotes around it you're dealing with souls that are not you know of the light they're not they're not entities that are going to have anything of value for you they cannot help you okay. they are lost somehow they could even be more sinister they could be dark souls or evil spirits even but they can range anywhere in there and you know we talked about energetic truth just a little bit yep. but literally the only way you can know for sure what the ones that you're seeing and what you're talking about in particular are is by going in mystically and being informed by the holy spirit what that energetic truth is because there are a lot of varieties of shadow people and so i've never heard of the korean um, story that you mentioned and so I don't know about that particular case but um, absolutely can people be um, uh, harmed infested 
or um, you know there are there are actual demons of suicide you know mm -hmm. that can attach to people that will literally drive a person to commit suicide they're demons of every possible evil you can imagine that can attach to people and create havoc on people's lives and absolutely can there be um, a force that maybe the Korean people knew about from their country that was attached to them and came with them that's possible that's absolutely possible because the attachment of those shadow people then would have been to the Korean people that were moved so them just moving to Kentucky wouldn't have altered that attachment they would have had to do some other spiritual things to alter it you know in terms of i sleep well at night and you know i've had many nights you know that are pretty terrifying mm -hmm. but um i i have a lot of things that i do to purify my home and my room okay. where i sleep i have a crucifix over my bed i have lots of crucifixes all around the house I seal the place with holy water holy salt and a lot of holy objects i have certain things that have been blessed by an exorcist i have certain things that have been blessed by um you know at the tombs of certain um certain mystical saints that i keep around um and i keep holy objects you know crosses crucifixes um, rosaries and frankly the biggest protection that we have is continual prayer and you'll see this in the out-of-body travel state and one of the things I learned early on which was the thing that surprised me was that in these um, encounters with these lost souls and with these darker entities because it moves into the spiritual warfare with the angels and demons mm -hmm. and so you're dealing with the the really evil stuff is that you're reciting prayers like the our father the apostles creed the hail mary um you're utilizing some of the prescribed prayers of the catholic church and you're doing it because it's just being infused into you by the holy spirit you know i remember the first time i was doing this with the apostles creed which i didn't have memorized i didn't know it because i wasn't catholic you know and so it was like these things were happening and i noticed them i was like okay. wow how interesting is this you know what i mean yeah. and so you know uh, that's interesting because that is not what I would have expected. And of course, you have to, um, you learn about, you know, using the biblical discernment and, you know, uh, the, the, from the book of John, uh, asking the spirits, anytime you are dealing with spirits, you have to use the biblical discernment. Do you believe in God who incarnated uh, of the Blessed Virgin Mary and became man demons cannot handle that and you know the one thing that i found in my travels was the thing that is the hardest for them to handle is simply two words christ crucified it literally is like acid on the skin of a demon it burns them they can't handle it and so in a lot of demonic battles i've had where i was literally uh literally being slaughtered you know i mean i was really losing you know i would just repeat christ crucified christ crucified christ crucified until they could no longer take it and then i would be liberated but what you what you find is that 
um, these things are intense because just as you see in um, like the exorcism of Emily Rose and other accountings of these things, when you are in a spiritual warfare battle, one of the first things that the demons will try to do is they stop you from speaking. Sure. And they, and so there's a, an actual presence that they can keep you from speaking. And so you have to really pull from the, the pool of your inner faith and be speaking from your heart and from your soul and from your mind. Christ crucified, I command you to leave in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. And, you know, they cannot handle that and you know i think what was so fant fantastic and it blew my mind because you have to remember i started out um in my early 20s just wanting to discover the truth i did not know where that would lead me i studied all these other world religions you know mm -hmm. buddhism jainism hinduism <laughs> you know islam bahaism and uh everything everything i have all of that and I have found things in all of these phases that I think are beautiful and very important. But one of the things that I found out very quickly was when you're in trouble in the mystical realms, the only name that can help you is the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes St. Michael, <laughs> you want to call on St. Michael and, you know, the Blessed Mother as you well. You want to call on like Gabriel, the, the, the archangel? I will do prayers to, like, for instance, in the Catholic tradition, we have novenas and litanies. Okay. I have litanies and novenas to the seven um, archangels. I do the prayers to St. Michael. At, you know, there's the, the actual prayer, and then there's novenas and litanies to St. Sure. Michael. I do those as well. And I do call on St. Michael in the mystical realm, and he has come many times. And that is just another thing which is so majestic when you meet St. Michael in the mystical sphere because he literally can extinguish a demon with a single thought. You can literally be ha having a battle to the death and St. Michael arrives and it's a thought and that demon is like, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, well, see you later. Thank you. Yeah, got to go. But, you so, know, St. Michael, he's, he's not like, um, he's not like, I, he's not like us in the way, you know, he, he is huge. <laughs> when St. Michael arrives, he's like, you know, imagine a man 200 feet tall. Okay, so it, you know, it's this presence. I, I wonder, you know, um, I, I, there's, so one, and you've already answered this for me, but I'm just gonna throw it out there anyways. Sure. Because let's have some fun here. <laughs> this lady had reached out to me. Uh, she sells dolls on Etsy and she swears the dolls she sells on Etsy are demon-possessed dolls. Okay. She goes, you should interview for your podcast. And I'm, you know, and this is, you know, I'm like, uh, okay, probably, you know, uh, I get a lot of requests. I turn a lot down. Uh, I used to be in the ilk of, I will talk to anybody. This should be fun. And my numbers went down because people are just like, this is not entertaining. Now you're just, you know, it's, it's awful. I was yeah. like, you guys are right. I apologize. But I said, I was talking to my friend Lonnie about this and she, her daughter is, is very spiritually sensitive. And uh, we're, we're chatting and I said, listen, this lady wants to come on the podcast. I might bring her on. 
But I told her the only way I'll do it is she's got to send me a doll. And by send me a doll, I mean send you a doll. Because I'm not having it in my house, just in case <laughs> it's true. Like, for all I know, you're on, if, listen, if you're on Etsy and you're selling shit for $3,000, I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. You know, if you, you know, but she, you know, and then she's got all these reviews like, oh, I bought Tommy. He's quite a prankster. Every morning I wake up and my electricity's turned off and all my doors are open and it's winter in Minnesota. And it's like, I don't buy it. However, after talking to you, I'm now like, well, I need to not just delete her emails. I need to probably block her from emailing me. You absolutely do not want to engage in that. And I would not ask your friend to receive a doll. Oh no, her. she told me she she it was a joke. That was that was made as a joke. And okay. she was just, and she had some very beautiful Lonnie has a beautiful Does way she of charge three thousand dollars for the dolls. Is that yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's like 1800 to 3000 depending on. Thank God for that. Of, so that, right? yeah, that you don't, that poor Lonnie didn't get one of these. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, I'm like, listen, just keep it for a week and mail it back. And she goes, if you send me this, I will. And once again, she's got a great way of cussing you out where you're just like, that felt pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, you know, and I almost hesitate to bring this up, but I will just don't bring because it up, it's okay. The only reason I bring it up is for the purpose of the educational purpose. I don't want to give people bad ideas. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people are very intrigued with messing around with paranormal things that they don't understand. And I recently even saw uh, some movie footage of a young man who was calling the bluff of people who had Dibuk boxes. Oh, I don't, okay. Nope. Yeah, I know, know what, what that is. Are? And I'm not, I don't even like those words. Okay. Yes. And so, you know, <laughs> that just makes, for that your, makes my spine shiver. Right. So, you know what, uh, so just for your audience's sake, Dibuk boxes are used by rabbis, um, actually Jewish exorcists, to um, when they do exorcisms, they take the, the evil spirit and put it in what is called a dibuk box. And there are probably hundreds, thousands of these and people are selling them. Um, and um, people think it's funny. They don't think it's real. And this guy just wanted to call the bluff and see what would happen. And what ended up happening was, and he has, it's all on film where, you know, he, first mistake he made was opening the Dibuk box. Yeah, see, this is the part that I don't like. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is the part where I have a real problem with this whole process. Mm -hmm. You're putting it in a box. Can right. you put it in a fire and then the fire goes out and then it's gone? Like, well, we it's a good it question, a you know, and I would have to actually look because I have a whole section right over there, actually. <laughs> Folks, you cannot the... see this. This woman has not only <laughs> surrounded herself with books, with my moronic comments, she surrounded herself <laughs> with books and is so prepared, and then behind her are just shelves and shelves and shelves of books. Right, yeah, because I, I have this library of ancient sacred texts, and, you know, and so there's this whole phenomenon related to Judaism because they have their own form of exorcism as well and this is how they do it but um but basically the short version because i don't want to focus on it too much yeah. was that he opened this box which you never do why would you even buy the thing you know and i'm not sure it, and that would be something i would have to actually probably speak to a rabbi about to get the answer because
because I don't think it was in the books that I have as to whether you can actually burn those boxes or how do they deal with them. Mm -hmm. But I would stay away from them and let the Jewish rabbis, you know, handle those. (laughs) Stay as far away from you can. But the filmmaker ended up, um, he ended up, tormented by this thing he's still recovering he was seriously seriously hurt was almost killed by horrible things that happened his parents released the footage as a um to educate people not to mess around with this stuff and so you know for anyone i would say definitely do not do not do that. Do not let her, even if she's willing to send you one of those and anyone who wants to buy them, sorry, I, I know that she's not happy with me right now, but just do not buy anything. Why would you want something like that around you? Yeah, don't apologize for it. <laughs> Guess what? I just take heroin all the time. Yeah. So a heroin dealer, I don't care if he's pissed at me, right? Yeah, it's, and why would, why you know, it's like, why would you take a gift of being able to create beautiful dolls and tarnish it with something so evil and horrible? You know, that's a that's a shame because if she makes beautiful dolls, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I've never oh, seen no, them, never like heard of them. Old and weird. And she's like, oh, I just, I collect these. And anyways, let, next topic, please. So, because that's, I, I get what you're saying and I don't want to promote that. Well, and I did want to go back yeah, to um, the one question. We didn't get to the second part of the answer that I did want to try to explain because sure. it's helpful. Is you had talked about the ghosts and how there are no new ghosts or whatever. And the second part of that, this is important for people to understand too. A lot of people misunderstand that um, places can get embedded with the energy of events that have occurred at different times in history or for a long period of time. So if you do have a situation or a place that has been haunted by a particular ghost for a long period of time, it's even possible that if someone went in there and removed the actual soul or spirit of that ghost, Mm -hmm. that there would still be um, people who might see something. And that would be because there would be an energetic imprint that would possibly remain for a time that would have to be processed out before um, that area would really be truly clear so for like for instance um, uh, if you go to some of these places in the west where there are old battlefields Mm -hmm. where a lot of people have died there's a lot of places in Colorado where I used to live places where Um, Not a lot has happened on these places since those battlefields occurred. Um, You're going to run into not just maybe, you know, most of the time I, you know, I used to live there. So what I would see would be this energy that was remaining as a residual from that event. And so I never actually ran into, um, a bunch of lost souls that still were there at the battlefield. Mm -hmm. But that event was so energetically charged that it is there and can be felt and seen. And this is part of, you know, going into another issue that you experience in out-of-body travel and mysticism is that you enter into realms of timelessness. And so when you are experiencing this, you're basically just becoming more sensitive to this um, highly charged event, which is still 
sensible, you can still sense it if you are sensitive enough when you are there. And there was a lot of stuff that I had to do to purify some of these areas. And there may have been one or two spirits that needed help crossing over. Sure. But if someone who is sensitive would go to these battlefields now, they will probably still feel that because that event itself generates energy that will remain with that land. And so that's part, the second part of that, where old ghosts can often be associated with old energy, uh, highly charged events, or if there was a haunting for a very long time, mm -hmm. then that may take a while to completely process out the energy, all that residual energy from that spirit having been there all that time. Imagine all the, um, especially in cases where it is a fearful spirit, it is a scary event, then you're, you're bringing, you're adding all of this terror, all of this fear that people have when they encounter this ghost. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a situation where it's more of a benevolent or benign, maybe it won't take as long but when you look at a haunting like these buildings or something and is known to have been haunted for 500 years you're adding all this residual energy from all of these experiences of fear and terror that people have had when they have seen it and witnessed it and interacted with that ghost and so those energies are separate and then you have to process those out sure. as well I wonder, my buddy that posted on, uh, on Facebook, he goes, hey, uh, these uh, archaeologists just found footprints from 2,000 years ago. Oh, and that's my first, cool. And my first thought was, <laughs> stop wasting your time and let's solve some murders. Because if you can find a footprint from 2,000 years ago, you can catch a killer, right? Yep. I mean, come on now. And second, I wonder what that footprint, what would you see? Because well, if the footprint's yeah. still there, right? If that impression is still on planet Earth after mm -hmm. 2,000 years, I have to imagine that energy is still there in some capacity or it would lift and go away. Right. You definitely will often be able to sense stuff from that time. And you know, I, when I was in Colorado, I also lived near the ancient Anasazi land. And, you know, I had a friend who lived on a very large ranch and she had some old, untouched, you know, um, uh, these Anasazi cave cliff dwellings on that path of the ancients that they traveled. And yes, you could absolutely feel and literally go into their world, you know, if mm. you, uh, because you could experience it to a certain extent if you're sensitive enough, you know what I mean? Sure. So I have another question for you here, please. Uh, there is a, uh, it's, and it's, it frustrates me. So sure. a Presbyterian minister, I believe in like the 48, I forget what the trademark is, actually created the Ouija board. As a really? Game of, yes, I didn't like, even know that. Oh, that is interesting. <laughs> it was okay. created by a Christian as a game of chance. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have people that tell me, oh, it was, it was created by a minister as a game of chance. It's not evil. And now I just pass the baton to you and go, I don't care who created it. It can still be evil. 
Well, it is a doorway. And I, um, I tell people don't mess around with Ouija boards ever. I'm yeah. really surprised to hear that. And it was probably, you know, even just the suggestion could have been like a random suggestion thrown in there by the dark side, thinking, sure. oh, this is neat, you know, not knowing how the dark side could use it. But what you have to think about with the Ouija board, the only purpose of it is people are trying to communicate with spirits. Most people who will use them are thinking that the spirits have something to offer them. Yeah. They're not recognizing that the only spirits that will respond to a Ouija board are going to be lost souls, wandering spirits, dark spirits, or evil spirits. Angels don't talk to you through a Ouija board. <laughs> now, you can have beautiful experiences where the angels will guide you in out-of-body travel and mystical experiences. You know, even St. Paul talked about um, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. And we know that these types of experiences occurred with all of our prophets. And um, this is part of, you know, how religion has been born through the ages is through this type of experience. But angels will not respond to a Ouija board. You're only inviting in something that could be um, dangerous or just misleading it's certainly not going to give you know we have to remember dying in and of itself does not make us wise so just being dead doesn't mean that we can all of a sudden you know offer someone's counseling getting that guidance. tattoo you know that, right? <laughs> one of my wacko followers is getting that tattoo dying does not make you wise it's going to be it's going to be across their chest in like some calligraphy with a yep. skeleton in the center going oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well and you know but there's this assumption um by people often who use these and you know there's um uh there are certain certain faiths that actually like spiritualists who use this and they think that it's going to offer them guidance or wisdom but they're they're trying to talk to deceased spirits dying does not make you wise it does not make you able to give guidance to any random soul sure. what you want in in any spiritual journey whether you practice out-of-body travel or prayer or whatever your you know your own faith is in your own practice you want to be guided by those whom god sends to you and that would be angelic messengers that would be christ that would be his saints you know and and we have this um illusion that speaking to a random spirit is helpful and it's like no that's like me just picking up in, and of course the other thing about that you're not going to have holy souls who died responding to the ouija board either it's only going to be those who are lost those who are wandering those who don't know why they are in that state and so people are literally asking question the source you don't want to receive guidance from that kind of source and not only is it not you know guidance but if you look in the annals of um, exorcism cases ouija boards have been um, a big part of a lot of very serious exorcism cases 
they have been, you know, ironically, the actual movie, The Exorcist, which was yeah. done in the 70s, the, the actual case that that was based on, there was another movie that was done on the actual case. I think it was either called Possession or Possessed. And um, Tommy Lee Jones played the priest who d performed the exorcism. And this was a case where um, this young child was possessed in part through a Ouija board. But there are many, many cases in the annals of exorcism where Ouija boards become the channel through which um, some type of uh, spirit mm -hmm. creates a doorway. And so we, we have to remember, um, even with uh, you know ghosts, lost souls, these are things that create doorways. You don't wanna play around with it. It's dangerous. You don't want to allow stuff like that in. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm with you on that. I wonder, tying back to the movie and your experiences sure. in life uh, and what you've seen and, and, and uh, what you've read about and everything else, how, how good is the acting for the young woman who is demon-possessed? I'm pretty impressed with how she did this role. Surprised I haven't seen her in other roles, but maybe I didn't she was recognize in, uh, her. Dexter. Uh, she's done quite a few more uh, series roles, uh, but she's a very, very talented actress. I mean, obviously, I mean, it looks very impressive, but I wonder for someone who's actually, you know, seen it, how yes. realistic is this? She did very, very well. Her, um, uh, you know, just even watching it as I am right now with yeah. you, it's like, um, uh, it's very impressive. And um, I mean, you know, really, really well done, especially for someone who may not have uh, had a great deal of experience with the subject. I know that there is a lot of footage online and maybe she utilized some of that about Emily Rose. There's some video footage on YouTube. And, um, and so I'm sure that was utilized in helping her to inform this role, but she did a fantastic job of showing. And, you know, I think one of the things about this particular case that makes it so unique is this was a young girl who wasn't messing around with anything. Yeah. She went to college. She went to a dorm. And let's talk about that because you're talking about your daughter too. Yeah. Talk about this because a lot of people have talked to me recently over the last few years, and we all have adult children. Some, I, we do, some of us do. I know yours are younger, but we're all, you know, we all have the same thoughts about these things. You go to a college dorm and you're not thinking of all of the activities that may have occurred in that place, which may have charged up the place and brought in these forces. She was literally just attacked by an incubus shortly after she enters this dorm room, you know. And, you know, we have enough on our plate as parents sending our children off to college just thinking about the fact that in colleges um, now there is a real anti- religion, anti-Christian thing that happens with our adult children, where many of them are drawn away from the faith that they were raised with and are 
you know, taught not to respect that anymore, and they become very secular. And some of them don't just fall away from their faith, but they fall away from a lot more. And this makes them vulnerable to attacks that can occur on many levels. Yeah, I was going to bring that up real quick, because there is... The attacks on many levels. I mean, I think, I think someone's going to see this or hear this and go, well, I mean, my kid's not turning her spine inside out and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and screaming in, in some weird language that's been dead for 2,000 years. I think we're okay. And my concern is, is that's the problem, is that the biggest red flag is Emily Rose as an example but the little red flags, the malevolence, the discontent, the, uh, the, the, the circumventing of authority in, in, in subtle, gross yes. ways, the, the manipulation of people around you that, that divert good people away and bring darkness closer and closer. Those are the things I think we should be more worried about. I mean, I, I, my daughter and her friend were sitting around like, who should we hang out? Because we're not doing trick-or-treating this year. Who should we hang out on Halloween? Yeah. Well, let's not invite this girl. And, I was, and my wife and her like, her, no. We're having a party. Everyone's invited. Everyone. We'll watch Dory. You guys can float in the pool. I don't <laughs> care. But everyone's invited. You're not hand. I work hard so you don't have to hand select. And if you think for a hot second, I'm gonna hear this kind of conversation at my table, in my house, you're crazy. <laughs> but I also believe that's a thing. Like I believe that's a thing that can fester and grow inside of you, right? This, oh, well, we're part of this group. Right. And that's not Emily Rose, but that's a real thing. It is a real thing, absolutely. Yes. And what happens, though, too, <clears throat> this is um, really good points. And I, I couldn't have said it better. So I love the way you put that, because it is the people are missing the subtleties that are happening. And this is tearing apart um, our souls, but also the souls of our children, our grandchildren, and pulling us further and further away from God, which is the goal of the dark side. Um, but we also have this, so, you know, we have this, we have this desire for inclusion because this is what God is about is unity. Mm -hmm. But then we also have this relativism, which is saying, well, you're Christian, I'm a Satanist, and you have to accept that. And so now you have to include that. And then what happens is this line between um, good and evil is made very, very blurry. Sure. And, um, and then, you know, so you have this line where it's like, okay, well, I don't want to be judgmental. So, okay, <laughs> you know, but let's, you know, but let's see well, what uh, does it really mean? What yeah. does that really mean to say that I choose Satan. I will tell you just a quick story on that, and I want to continue with what you're talking about because it's so important for our kids. Um, but I was contacted by some people who um, were friends of a person who had died of an unfortunate turn of events, and I'm not going to go into details. Sure. Um, 
and this person had practiced Satanism and they wanted me to go in and see if this person was okay and blah, 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 blah. And this person had this one area in their life where they had tried to do goodness because they realized something about what they were doing was wrong. One area, but they didn't, they didn't go away from it. Mm-hmm. When, um, when myself and others that I work with who are also mystics went in, this soul was, had become an evil spirit in some of the lowest, lowest places and attacked us viciously. And I had to explain to these people, you don't understand. She was a Satanist. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have had to explain that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I see what you're saying, yeah. And so, so we have to understand and we have to recognize that, okay, we accept people for what they are, but we also have to acknowledge what that means. What does that mean? Because you don't get to have it all these ways where, no, it's just okay. Well, it's okay for you to accept them, but if you go along with them, What does that mean for you, for your soul, for your salvation, for your redemption, and for your life? Because it's serious. And you can't just say, ah, I was just kidding at the moment of death. And I bring that up with a great deal of soberness. But then going back to, you know, this whole thing with with the kids is that there's just this muddy line that is being made so that... um, if you discern, and one of the things we learn in our Christian faith is discernment, that we discern um, that which is, a, you know, a positive action that mm-hmm. serves God versus something that is a negative action that serves his opposite, that that's being judgmental. But it is our calling to d- discern. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening in our world is placing many souls in jeopardy because people are coming to this conclusion that they just have to accept everything and even evil is good. And we remember in the Old Testament, a time when evil is good and good is evil and we're in it. Yeah. And and I don't mean to sound like, you know, I just preface for, I don't mean to sound like my daughter or her friends are evil in any way. No, no, no. I just just need to say that, just, These are gateways. They're that little things. They're little things, things that, that um, as my old man would say, they're little things that lead to assholes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like your dad. I like you your know, dad. You got to stop them. You know, <laughs> you gotta stop them. I would. I'd like, I'd like to wrap up with, with, with this, please, if we, if we could. Um, sure. So, uh, one, this question, and please, uh, you know, tell everyone once again where they can find you, your, your books, everything, please. But. Um, I wonder, you know, as we uh, as we're coming into a very turbulent time, being the election. Yes. Right? How? My thing is, I tell people like last night the debates, everyone freaked out, and I said, "Hey, here's the good news: we agreed, all of us agreed for the first time in a long time. Super crappy debate. <laughs> we all agreed, and everyone's like U.S.O.B. and I'm like, you guys, we all agreed." Yeah. Moment. Hold on to that moment. Mm-hmm. How would you recommend people 
neither a party be damned. How would you recommend people go into this very turbulent, I mean, we're already living in turbulent times. How do they go into this and, um, and have a fresh mind and a fresh spirit uh, so that we wake up on November 4th or whatever day we wake up and we hear that the president, whoever our president is, is that we treat it like September 12th, where we still love our neighbor, we still embrace love, and we look for love instead of look for divisiveness. And then finally, please tell everyone once again where they can find sure. Well, I think that's a great question. And, you know, I think one of the things that we have been losing that we need to recapture is that America was built on the fact that it's okay that we have different opinions and different experiences and mm -hmm. different viewpoints. We've gone into this arena now, which is, you know, really uh, bordering on some dangerous ideas of we all have to agree and we don't. Yes, we don't. That's okay. We don't. It's okay <laughs> that we don't agree on everything. Um, and we're not going to agree on everything. The, the reality is um, we're not going to agree on everything. We all have different experiences. And, you know, the, the, the thing is you need to listen very carefully to what people are proposing that they're going to do and discern it with a very, very careful eye. Because what we are seeing now is a lot of subtleties like we've talked about through this whole thing where people are making claims, some of which are false and others are not doing the due diligence to find out what is true, what is half true, what is false and make an educated decision based on what you know, including your values including your own moral code and what you really believe is something that will move towards a loving, embracing culture that does not, um, does not encourage losing things that we have always valued, like law and order, you know, the right to assemble, you know, yeah. but not the right to harm others, to destroy, to tear apart. The right to use our ideas to create and move towards something that is good, that is creative, that is going to be um, of value to all of us. Sure. And so we cannot just... Um, we cannot just walk into this election and just take in whatever um, stuff we're being told. We have to listen to both sides yep. because both sides have relevant points and both sides have points that are um, not necessarily completely accurate. We have to be yeah. real. We have to be yeah. real. And, you know, we, we just have to embrace the fact that it's, it's perfectly not only fine, but it is what we have always thrived on, that America was formed on people having different views and different ways of life, and we don't beat each other up over it. Mm -hmm. we, we have freedom, and that's what freedom is.
So, you know, you can come to my website at outofbodytravel.org and you can download our books for free. Um, you can check out the new film and the old film and lots of video footage of lots of uh, interviews there and also music and art that, of things that I've seen and heard in out-of-body experiences. We have forums so you can talk to other people who are going along the same path. You can email me privately and so hope to see you all there and this has been great fun so thanks for having me on hey marilyn thank you so much and uh this was a lot of fun uh, i would like to do this again personally i found oh it i'd love to awesome. i would let's, love to please let's stay in touch um i will send you the link when this comes out okay awesome thank you so much you have a thank great you. one you as well talk to you soon okay bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.